Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see your locally owned and operated Linton Glass for all your glass needs. No matter what glass you need to replace, you can count on Linton Glass. Call us today at 601-835-4336 or find us on the web at lintonglass.com. You're listening to the Rebel Report Podcast, where it's all Ole Miss all the time. Here's your host, Michael Borky. Welcome in, everybody, to the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you are with me on this Friday, and we will start right away. We'll just dive right in to uh, quote-unquote breaking news. We can call it that, I think, although, you know, there's an element of uh, this should have been expected, but knowing is important, and we'll get to that uh, later. But Jackson Dart, according to Lane Kiffin on Reb Talk with David Kellum last night, um, is going to return to Ole Miss in 2024. Uh, apparently, he has made that known uh, around the facility. That wasn't just Kiffin kind of, you, you know, playing games with words, you know, like, I hope he's coming back or we expect him back. No, it was uh, the, the confirmation that it has been made known uh, that Jackson Dart will return to Ole Miss, will return to Ole Miss in 2024. That is a key point. Not return to college, but he will return uh, to Ole Miss. And so uh, there was a lot of reaction, and obviously uh, all positive uh, to that. But I, I want to uh, talk about that for a little bit before we get into Tadpad game tonight and also uh, live chat that I did last night as well. So. On the surface, there's kind of an element, and you get this every year, of, you know, where was he going? And it sounds like that's, like, flippant or negative, but I expected Jackson Dart to return to Ole Miss. Uh, I don't yet think that he is NFL-ready. Now, I do think that he is a better NFL prospect than some people do, I think, with another year under Kiffin, with another year to develop. Don't forget about how young he is, guys. I mean, he's... This is his third year of college football getting starts, but he's young. He's not like a 24-year-old. I think he's 20, right? He'll play next season at 21 years old. So he's uh, he's young, and, and there's still uh, a lot of room to improve uh, his game. He has taken a, a step forward. Yeah, he is, is 20. I just kind of Googled it and found out as I'm talking. So he's still very young. There's still a lot of improvement that he can make in his game, and he did take a step forward uh, this year. So... I don't think he's NFL ready today, but I do think that he can play and be an NFL quarterback with another step forward this offseason and through 2024. There was always the possibility, and there's always a possibility with players of transferring. Um, I know that he was, um, that, that other programs made inquiries, maybe not recently, but that has happened in the past. I assume it's still going on because that's how college football works now. Uh, but obviously rejected those uh, those advancements and is going to stay at Ole Miss. And that is that is huge for Ole Miss for multiple reasons. Uh, the first being, on the surface, it is just gigantic to return a guy that has started for your team for two years. He um, is clearly very talented. He's a gamer. He's tough. All of those things that we talk about all the time, and, and all of that's true. But returning a two-year starter, which will be his third year starting, at the beginning of the college football playoff era is mad. I mean, it's huge having a guy like that with his experience on your team 
for the first time where we can have an offseason where we realistically talk about Ole Miss's chances to make the playoff. Having that stability and that anchor at quarterback is it's massive uh, to have that returning to your team. But it's even deeper than that. It's even deeper than having, hey, here's a really good college quarterback, still room to improve, took a step forward this year, has a chance to take another one n- next year. Like That's all good, and that's all important. But Dart is one of those guys that, that I call a, a culture guy. He is, I think he is a major reason why the, the team is quote-unquote close that you hear people talk about all the time. Uh, I think he's a major reason why uh, they don't waver in big games. Uh, he, he's a culture guy. He is, uh, by, by all accounts, the, the team absolutely like adores him. I mean, he is very much uh, the, the leader of that team, the culture setter. He's the organizing extra workouts guy. He's the taking the wide, the wide receivers to a specialist over the summer uh, and, and working on their game kind of guy. He is somebody that that will be uh, engaged in the recruiting process when, when guys come to visit or are inquiring about Ole Miss. Ja- Jackson's a guy that will help sell uh, the program beyond just having an experienced quarterback back when they do the portal recruiting thing, when they're looking for a wide receiver to replace Trey Harris, for example, uh, having him there just physically helps. But I, I, I'm under the impression that he will actively engage in the recruiting process once that time comes. He he's a culture guy. He's uh, is trendsetter the right word? That, that's I guess that that's right. But the the team responds to him. And so having the the talent and the ability and the experience at quarterback is great. Having the talent and the experience and the mentality and then the leadership stuff like that attached to it is gigantic. And and that's something that you know maybe under talked about when it comes to to this old miss team is is how different things are when it comes to team leadership and maturity and a lot of that uh, starts with uh, with quarterback play. So I- I'm not surprised th- that he's returning. I expected him to, but now that, that Ole Miss knows, now that Lane Kiffin knows, and now that the portal players know and the recruits know, and most importantly, now that there are some guys on the team that either A, could have, I mean, could have not used their COVID year and decided to, to move on to the NFL, or maybe there's some guys that are rotational guys that you know, could possibly go seek uh, the the portal and, and getting the bag somewhere else, as the kids say. Um, this that knowing this now, it being out of the way and guaranteed, will help in in roster retention. It will help in portal recruiting, and and that is that is massive. And you are going to have because of the presence of Jackson Dart and other guys as well. But you guys know how quarterbacks drive conversation. Because of the presence of him, starting now, the entire offseason, the, the hype machine around Ole Miss is, is going to be huge, and it's going to be justified, right? I mean, there's undue hype that programs like Notre Dame get all the time. And then there's justified hype, where Ole Miss, if they do take care of business and win 10 games at the end of this year, are going to enter the offseason as a team that will be looked at heavily as somebody that should make the, the college football playoff. And so it'll be veteran quarterback 
playoff team, Lane Kiffin, all this stuff, the offseason is really going to feature a heavy dose uh, of Ole Miss. So uh, nothing but good comes out of uh, a decision uh, like this one, an announcement like this one. Uh, I would expect that this isn't the only one that you're going to get. Maybe some of them wait until after the season is concluded to to make their announcements, but I do think that they are they're, they're working really hard on uh, some of the guys with COVID years, some of the veterans on this team, uh, to to make sure that they, you know, uh, try to get them to come back. Uh, there's a lot of guys that have been in the program or played a lot of college football that have an extra year left thanks to COVID. And uh, as I understand it, Ole Miss is actively working really hard to, um, to, to make sure that they return uh, to, to make this kind of run uh, to the college football playoff next year. I mean, guys like Priestcorn, I think they're working really hard to try to get him uh, to stay. Now, you know, they're, they're going to have to pay him, but that's life in, in college sports anymore. I'm not saying that that's his priority or anything. He seems like a really intelligent and grounded young guy. But uh, still, uh, they're, they're working on uh, guys like him and Watkins and Wade and, uh, you know, J.J. Pegues on the defensive line. And, and there's a lot of guys on this team that can return and be really, really helpful Next year. Now, of course, they're going to have to portal uh, like they do every year uh, with the assumption that Trey Harris is gone. I think they're going to have to go get uh, a, a wide WR1, if you will. Uh, but this is a really good start to what can be a really momentous offseason should Ole Miss take care of business uh, over the next two games. Uh, we'll see if they can, but big news there. I talk about it some in the live chat, so forgive me if you're going to hear some repetition. I just. As it was going on is when the news, quote-unquote, dropped, and so I wasn't exactly prepared to, to talk about it. And so, for, forgive, there's going to be some repetition. Sorry about that. Uh, but now that I've had some time to think about it, um, I, I feel like I could give a better answer to, well, what does this mean? And it's it's just as big on the field as it is culture in the locker room and in recruiting. He is uh, He is that guy. And when Jackson Dart leaves Ole Miss, knock on wood, if he remains healthy, uh, next year, then, I mean, he should leave a legend. Uh, what what he's done with that program and the way he plays the game is um, is stuff that fans, for in my opinion anyway, uh, should be not only thankful for, but remember very, very fondly um, in program history. So what does this mean for Walker Howard is a popular question. I, I think nothing. I mean, he, he can't really go anywhere anyway because he's already transferred once, but as I understand it, and again, I could be wrong, but as I understand it, there isn't really a desire uh, to go anywhere else. I mean, if you think about it, uh, he will get a ton of reps this offseason, and, and he'll play a bunch next year. And as a backup, because Spencer Sanders will be gone, I hate to say it like this, but it's reality. You're one play away from being the guy. And so him you know, leaving, frankly, wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, especially because uh, the the waivers are getting denied by the NCAA now, as opposed to before. Uh, it's uh, it's different now. So uh, anyway, you got the Tad Pad game tonight. By the time a lot of you are listening to this, it, it'll likely be over. Um, Chris Beard is he's impressive. So I, I watched this press conference yesterday, and there's a difference between just saying things and doing things uh, because it's the right thing. And doing things because it matters to you. And and here's what I mean by that. So they have Rob Evans. Uh, they're honoring him this weekend. Uh, he and his wife uh, were at practice yesterday. 
And, um, you know, they did a lot to honor him. They will uh, during the game as well. If you're one of the 8,000 people, they sold every ticket, but if you're one of the 8,000 people there, um, you will, uh, there will be some kind of like ceremony or, uh, or whatever for, uh, saying or whatever for that is so, uh, not indicative of what the, the moment actually means. Uh, I've, I've seen people say and heard people say that there's going to be a lot of emotions, uh, in the gym tonight, uh, seeing him return and, and all that. But, uh, the, the reason I brought up Chris Beard is one, just putting this together at all is, uh, is really cool. I mean, would Sam Houston on Friday, November 17th have sold 8,000 tickets otherwise? No, uh, not even close, uh, for one. But two, hearing him talk about what Rob Evans did to Ole Miss basketball, it, it displayed, and I would encourage you to go watch the press conference, it displayed true knowledge of who Rob Evans is and what he did to Ole Miss. There's a difference between, oh yeah, you know, he's a really good coach here and, uh, you know, he's uh, a legend, so we're going to honor him. No, you, you, can, you can hear that he has intimate knowledge and understanding of Rob Evans and the history of Ole Miss basketball. And having him involved in the program now and engaging uh, the alumni base that has those fond memories of the Tad Pad and the Evans years uh, is intentional, it's important, and it's also, it's at least to me, I mean, I could be wrong, it seems genuine. And uh, I, I thought, you know, just listening to that was really cool, uh, knowing that it's not just, I mean, the game's not even on television. It's not just a, a PR stunt. It's a true... Um, program building, engaging thing. I don't know. I mean, I think it's important and uh, I would encourage you to go check out that press conference because I think it's pretty eye-opening. There's an intimate understanding of Ole Miss from Chris Beard and he's been with the program for uh, a few months and um, that was very clearly visible from there. So, uh, the podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. Check them out online, absms.com. If your business is in Mississippi and you're in the market for office technology, anything from copiers and printers and mail machines to cloud storage and data security, IT projects, phone systems, whatever it is, if it's tech, if it's in the office and you need it, check them out online, absms.com. Tell them I sent you and you'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. So you tell them what you need and what your budget is and they will find a solution for you on me. The podcast is also brought to you by Priority One Bank. Let them make you their priority. They've got 16 locations scattered across the state of Mississippi, so there's likely one in your backyard like there's one in my backyard. They've got an online banking platform like everybody does, but theirs is a one-stop shop. You don't need multiple apps to do everything you need to do with your money. All you need is an internet connection, and you're good to go because Priority One Bank makes you their priority. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get them. If you're listening on the website, pull out your phone and your favorite podcast app and search Rebel Report and subscribe and leave a rating and a review. And follow me on social media at Michael Borky, B-O-R-K-E-Y. So yes, there is a game this weekend in Oxford. The only thing that you can really uh, take away from this game is health. Just get out of it healthy, beat the crap out of them, get out of it healthy. I assume that they've spent a lot of time on Mississippi State this week, although um, you might get some different looks with the interim deal and, and all that this weekend against Southern Miss, so they'll have to probably deeply look at this game and see if there's anything different. But that's the only takeaway from Saturday is uh, is just to get healthy or be healthy, get out of it safely, 
Uh, don't run Dart very much. Uh, get some young guys some playing time. Get Walker Howard some reps. Do a lot of rotating on the defensive line and offensive lines. Do a lot of rotating in the backfield and just get ready for the Egg Bowl and a um, what could be a historic season. So uh, that's why in the live chat we didn't really talk about the game on uh, on Saturday that much because that's really the only takeaway here. But here it is now. You're going to hear some some dart stuff, so that might get a little uh, repetitive, but we talk coaching searches and and stuff like that. Long conversation. Uh, I enjoyed it. If you were uh, if you were there, appreciate you hanging out. Uh, but here that is now. Probably won't do a post game unless like something crazy happens. Uh, so we'll be back on Sunday with like a weekend recap and uh, setting up uh, the uh, the Egg Bowl. So here's the live chat now. Appreciate you guys as always, and I'll talk to you again soon. The, the, so they're, they're going to spend a lot of time over the next few weeks, kind of trying to figure out, you know, who they're able to to keep, uh, who they're able to retain, and frankly, who they want to to keep and, and retain. So. Um, I imagine they've spent some time this week on it to go ahead and get out ahead of it. Start, you know, frankly, start negotiating and uh, figuring out who uh, who they can afford and who uh, might test the waters and that kind of stuff. You know, I know that bothers some people. As I tell you all the time, that fascinates me. As an NFL fan, the, the contract negotiations and roster management, I think, is an interesting part of fanhood in the NFL. It keeps me engaged all year long. When you've got free agency periods and drafts and stuff like that. Now, don't get me wrong. I've talked about it. The college free agency period being just wide-ass open for guys to do it whenever they want to for four years if they want to. That That's absurd. That needs to be reined in. But this kind of conversation fascinates me. You know, how much is um, – how much do you spend on Quinshawn Judkins? How much is he worth? Is there going to be a point where he might ask for – too much and, and how do you handle that and how would the fan base handle the possibility of you saying no you know a million two is too much can't do that that's you know that's just too bad and how much is uh, Jordan Watkins worth uh, that kind of stuff that that interests me I know they've been working on it um you know a, a lot of those guys are probably going to return and if they do that's really big for uh for Ole Miss moving forward they really have a chance to have a veteran, experienced football team, especially on the offense, uh, going into the 12-team playoff year next year. So um, that doesn't surprise me they talked about it tonight. I know they've been working on it. And, um, yeah, so there you go. We saw AM swing and miss on Dan Campbell recently. They're definitely big game hunting. You know, um, I saw Billy Lucci say that he thinks that Dan Campbell is going to end up being the coach at Texas A&M at some point. If he's turning them down now and, and years later, he's still successfully coaching in the NFL. Why wouldn't he turn them down then either? Um, the, the infatuation with Dan Campbell didn't make sense on either side, honestly. I mean, he, he, he doesn't recruit. He's not, it's different. There's a reason that great college coaches fail in the NFL. You know, it's, it's a totally different thing. And the quality of life for an NFL coach is just so dramatically better than that of a college coach. I always thought that was stupid uh, that they were even considering that. Um, it also sounds like at the moment um, that Dan Lanning is, is not uh, that he was telling the truth. So uh, if, if he was, which I, I, I believe him again, I'm wrong all the time. I, I reserve the right to be wrong on, on Dan Lanning. I believe him though. I, I believed that, Ryan. I, I think that there was a lot of truth behind that. And I agree with what Barrett Solis said. 
you know, maybe not in the exact words that he said it, but Dan Lanning, I think, would be giving up a better opportunity to get a little bit more money. Oregon's going to be able to pay him. He'll be fine. But I think he's in a better situation at the moment than Texas A&M. Why jump now when you're going to keep winning, you're going to keep making the playoff, you're about to be in the Big Ten, you're going to make a, a heck ton of money, you're, you're recruiting at an extremely high level, you can build nationally competitive rosters and make a ton of money, and when Alabama comes open, you will be guy number one. When Georgia comes open, if it does, you will be guy number one. Why would you make the jump to A&M, which has been a coaching graveyard, Nobody wins there, regardless of how much money they have, when you can still recruit at a national level and still build rosters that can compete for championships. You're about to be in one of the two conferences that you need to be in. Why go? Doesn't make sense to me. And so if he if he was telling the truth, which, I again, I believe him, um, that makes sense. That's the, that's the more practical uh, decision. Him jumping to A&M, and let's pretend for a second that I'm wrong and he does go, come on here with you guys and and on the radio show as well, just straight up say, it doesn't make sense. He's ch- It's a money move. It's not a career move. That's what I'll say, because I believe it. You're guessing Walker Howard will just wait his turn, considering he's used his transfer already. Uh, he will, uh, it, you know, and it's conjecture. People can be happy and still leave for opportunities elsewhere. Uh, you know, that happens all the time, but um, the, Apparently, he is extremely happy uh, that that even the family is really comfortable. And, I mean, think about it. Next year, with, with Dart being an established multi-year starter, there's not going to be the, the competition drama. Uh, they will really spend a lot of time in the spring, you know, getting him acclimated. The, the, he will get more work this spring and summer and fall than he's ever gotten before. And even though he won't be the starter, and what, Ole Miss opens with Furman. He'll play, you know? He'll play a lot in the games that, that are in doubt. And with the way Dart plays, you know, you hate to say it like this, knock on wood, but he's still one snap away from being the starter, you know? Uh, so him leaving wouldn't make much sense. You would have to get a waiver for, for one, but for two, he's still got three years of eligibility left going into next year. He will take a metric ton of reps in the spring and summer and fall. He'll play a lot, and there's a chance that he plays more than a lot with just how the game is. So, yeah, him leaving wouldn't make much sense there. Extra COVID year can pretty much have most of Ole Miss's starters back, including Bentley. Yep. Mm-hmm. But that that's one. The, the running back room is going to be interesting because I, I assume that Guys, this is just reality. It is. People are going to make runs at Quinshawn Judkins. I, I'd be shocked if they're not trying to back-channel figure out things uh, with him right now. I'd be shocked if they're not tampering. Um, be shocked. Truly shocked. So that's going to be a thing is with, with the running back room, what do you do? do can, can you get somebody that you think is good for a, a very significant lower salary and and how much do they think that he is worth he's worth a ton honestly he's having a hell of a year he has fewer yards than last year but man his he's running hard and he leads the sec in touchdowns i mean he's having a really good year but how much money is that worth and so if somebody comes in like in ohio state just i'm just throwing a, a brand out there i don't know if they're tampering with him or not i have no idea but if ohio, if ohio state comes in with like a million three right for the one year do do you fight back with 
that amount of money, knowing that you you need offensive line help, you're going to need a couple of pieces on defense through the portal. That that's something that they're going to have to figure out here uh, soon. Hopefully, expensive and emotional decisions on quarterback can be avoided this offseason. Yeah, I mean, no, I would be I would be very surprised, Patrick, if uh, if it goes down that way again. Uh, no, it, it's Jackson Dart's team. He's clearly taken a step forward. No, no transfer worth a damn would even consider. No transfer with a year left would consider coming to Ole Miss. Maybe they they find somebody with like four years or whatever to come in to, to bolster the room. But yeah, no, I it would be I think it would be impossible to create the the same thing this offseason that they did last offseason. So an early line for the Egg Bowl that has Ole Miss minus 13 and a half seems a little low, right? Yes, that does seem low. My guess, because we were asked earlier in the week, uh, my guess would be 17 is what it was anyway. So, yeah, that would be a little low. Maybe there's, you know, the, the quarterback uncertainty that is um, that is at play there. Also rivalry on the road. Maybe that's also a factor. We'll see what Mississippi State looks like this weekend. I mean, it's a Southern Miss team that they should beat, even this year with how terrible things have been. Look, it's not a good Southern Miss team. Uh, It would be different if we were talking about them playing Troy. That's a a whole different animal uh, out of the Sun Belt. But this isn't a good Southern Miss team. So uh, Mississippi State should look good. If they don't, well, then Thanksgiving is going to be a disaster. But they – you know, the – they might have a little juice. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I think we'll know really early. Body language uh, in Starkville for the last couple of weeks has been really poor. Um, maybe the 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 interim situation might get them to play a little bit better. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm watching that game closely just to see how, not even like how they play, but how, like, do they look like they're engaged or, or not? At the moment, you're working at a grocery store, but a regular customer of yours uh, played at Southern Miss. You forget his name, but his nickname is Too Tall. Nice. You're an Ole Miss guy, and you're not even going to watch the Louisiana Monroe game. Plus, wife will kill it, will kill you if you don't put up Christmas lights. I hear you, man. Yeah. Um, it, it is senior day, and so. And by the way, uh, Lane Kiffin talked about this, and so j- th- there's. There are going to be guys that are going to go through senior day that might return for you. So don't look at the senior day thing and think, well, that guy's leaving. Like that, that this means that guy's leaving. They're going to let guys that are undecided go through it. And then if they want to come back, they come back. And, you know, they're going to negotiate NIL deals and, and stuff like that. Uh, so if you see somebody going through senior day, that doesn't guarantee that that doesn't mean he's gone for, for whatever that's worth. But yeah, it's a tough watch. Um, I am on record. Uh, where I think that the SEC should ban this weekend. They should make it against the rules, where you have to have all of your non-conference games done with the exception of pre-approved end-of-season rivalry games by the second week of October. Because if you look at the SEC schedule this weekend, this is supposed to be the gold standard of of college football, right? The SEC is, it is, the gold standard of college football. But the second-to-last weekend of the year, where every other sport Every other season, there's so much on the line when the season is coming down to the wire, and you've got Chattanooga and New Mexico and uh, Louisiana Monroe and 
Stephen F. Austin on the schedule. Auburn, you know, I, I mean, you, you've got teams like that on the schedule. And it, it's just, it's embarrassing, honestly. The SEC putting this product on the field this weekend is uh, is embarrassing. And it's straight up embarrassing. And uh, I think they should rule against it because this sucks. Luckily, we've got interesting games elsewhere. But this there's only three games this weekend between ranked teams. Only three of them. Uh, it's embarrassing, and the SEC should be embarrassed. But uh, still interesting stuff around the country. I mean, Washington and Oregon State, that's certainly interesting, um, especially if you're an Ole Miss fan, root for Oregon State to lose. Penn State's playing Rutgers, root for Penn State to lose. Louisville's playing Miami. They're only a one-point favorite on the road. You know, you kind of want them out of there, stuff like that. So there's still things because it's college football, but anyway. Is Zachary Franklin returning next year, trying to redshirt? I, it doesn't sound like that's what's going on, but it's possible. How long can Ole Miss and the rest of these types of schools keep up with these coaches' salaries and NIL deals? Ten years down the road, will there ever be a cap, and how will it work? I, oh, I don't know. I mean, I think ten years from now, there's going to be some kind of revenue-sharing model. I don't think you're going to be able to cap things, though. I mean, the NFL players don't have their um, – Name, image, and likeness deals, uh, we, we used to call those endorsements. Uh, those aren't capped in, in any way. So Cowboys players, like the quarterback of the Cowboys, gets more in endorsements than the quarterback of the Cardinals. You know, it's just it's just the nature of the beast. So I, you're never going to really be able to limit that. But, uh, Neil, that's a really good question because it does feel like they're playing with Monopoly money. But I know, like in Ole Miss's case, there is a – it's not Monopoly money. You know, there, there is a cap on how much they can spend, but the TV revenue is is way, way up. Uh, they're going to have to be more efficient with some things. That, frankly, they're, they're possibly going to have to make some cuts somewhere along the way uh, in order to keep up with this. But um, I, I think it's a bubble that has yet uh, to pop. Is Dave Aranda possibly in the Matt Campbell territory, a once hot name who stuck around too long instead of hitting when the iron was hot? Well, but where, where could have Aranda gone, though? Uh, I mean, I, I don't remember. I could be wrong. I don't remember him being really um, in the mix for many of these big jobs. I, I could be wrong there. I, I could. But, you know, Matt Campbell's about to go to a bowl game again. I What, what, what I don't like, and I understand why, and I'm, I contribute to it to some degree. I mean, it's different when we're talking about Troy, uh, right, or, or South Alabama or, or somebody like that, but... I mean, Matt Campbell's at a Power 5 program, uh, you know, uh, making millions of dollars a, a year. What, why are we criticizing his decision to stay at that place? Uh, you know, I, I hate that part of, of the media is, is why are we criticizing Matt Campbell? He, he stayed at Iowa State, and they had a couple of down years, and it looks like they're improving some, and he's making millions of dollars, and don't we want the Iowa states of the world to to have good coaching and and to have people like Matt Campbell want to stay? I mean, I think that's great for the overall health of of college football is guys like Matt Campbell staying where they are. Um, and again, I, I mean, I, I get it. Uh, truthfully, I, I do. I mean, somebody's going to take the Texas A and M job. I mean, maybe it's Elko from Duke, and and I'm, you know, I get it. I would understand why he would leave, and I understand why AM would hire him. So don't get me wrong, but man, wouldn't it be great if Mike Elko stayed at Duke? 
I mean, he's winning there. He's he's got a program that's not, you know, it's not like Duke is a, a lowly nobody. If it, you know, it's Duke University. It's a great school. They have brand power and others and another sport anyway. But th- they're a fun story, and it's a place that doesn't win in football. And so I think it's it's great for the health of the sport that a program like a, a Duke can have a coach that that wins. Um, and stays. So you hear Judkins has ties at LSU. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know if he does or doesn't. Frankly, I have, I have no idea. But um, I mean, what Ole Miss does offensively fits him better than anywhere else in in college football. Really, I, I mean, it's been. The, the best rushing offense over, over the last four years in the SEC, you know, and um, I think they could do a little bit more like getting him catches and, and maybe that'll be a thing moving forward. But, you know, leaving that offense, considering what they do on the ground, I, I think would be, you know, possibly a mistake. But what do I know? The realest path to a New Year's Six Bowl for Ole Miss, got to think they need to get to at least 11th or 10th. Oregon State losing would help that out. Uh, unfortunately, they might not jump Penn State. So, um, I mean, they, they have to get to 11th to have a shot. Uh, you, you want, I mean, you want Missouri to lose. That's the easiest, easiest path. I hope Missouri somehow stumbles to Florida or Arkansas. That That's... That, that's the easiest path. If if Missouri loses, you're good, uh, essentially. But, yes, Oregon State's got to play Washington and, and Oregon, so you, you want them to lose and get out of there. I mean, the committee is not uh, – that's the easiest path, to answer your question. The easiest path is Missouri to lose a game. That's the easiest path. Um, I'm not totally convinced that the committee is going to leave Penn State where they are. I mean, they might. It's certainly possible, but – in the past, they have moved teams, even though like Ole Miss won't have an impressive win for the rest of the year, but Penn State won't either. And, and it's only, you know, it's only one spot. Um, Ole Miss's resume is better than Penn State's. Um, so it's possible that by the end of the year, they look at that and see, you know, that's that's what it is and and make that move. But yeah, Oregon State, I think they're going to, to lose at some point. Louisville, I, I think they're going to lose as early as this weekend, but you know, it's a Louisville team that if you look at the schedule, it's not like they've been super impressive uh, absent that Notre Dame game. And their one loss is to a 2-8 and eight Pittsburgh team by three scores. Not, I was about to say three touchdowns, but by three scores. And so, I mean, I think between Miami and Kentucky, they've got a loss coming. And so... I mean, it, the, the path is is there. They need a little help. But, I mean, you we're talking about Missouri, Louisville, Oregon State, and Penn State. Okay, those are four teams. They each have two games left. Are they going eight and no? Are they going seven and one? I wouldn't bet on seven and one. So a couple of losses are coming. It's college football. If Vegas is dumb enough to give you less than that, Ole Miss minus 20, put the mortgage on it. Your upset alert of the week, mine too, I said this on the show today, is Texas at Iowa State. The playoff committee gets bailed out every year at some point. Also, Mississippi State standout wide receiver got a nice NIL deal. Do we know how much it is? 
Seems like the Bulldog Initiative is doing better than a lot of people thought. They're they're starting to figure things out. They're they're starting to figure things out. Um, they they need to be continue to be more creative. Because I mean, we, we talk about this all the time. It's the the schools in Mississippi are are never and ever are big words, but they're they're never going to have the financial resources that Texas A and M has ever. And so, how do you bridge the gap? You um, you get creative, and so I know you're a state fan. So when you look at the collective of your in-state rival, you know they've got to deal with Delta. I think it is where you know there there's free flights in, involved in in their endorsement deal for their families to go to games and stuff like that. Like they're creative in those ways. There's there's a, a beer, a, a vodka that when. Stuff like that. That that's what you're you're gonna have to do. There, there's a deal with an apparel company and merchandise and stuff like that. The the Bulldog Initiative needs to be even more creative and, and get into that space. It, because look, ha- having a, a good fundraising day where they have you know donors that are that are doing a matching gift is great. Like th- that's that's awesome. I'm not belittling that. What I'm saying is they need to do more uh, of that and not just give us money. It's we've got. This now to offer you, if you buy it, you support the athletes and also you get something. You know, there needs to be material exchanges between fans and collectives. And and that's the next step that they need to take beyond, you know, they, they've added a couple of employees. Right. And they're, they're organizing more and uh, they're being more forward facing when it comes to the importance of it. Uh They've stopped telling everybody that it's all good, so don't worry about it. They're actually talking more openly, like, hey, you know, you want to win, you got to do this, right? So they're, they're changing um, messaging a little bit. That's the next step is become creative and and find ways to give people something when they give you their money. You know, that's that's the next step. And I'm sure they're already working on that, uh, but that is the next step that they need to take. Dart's senior day next year will be emotional, no doubt. We keep being told, see, here's here's a counter. We keep being told that the Bulldog Initiative and State NIL is in a good place in general. I'm ready to, to start seeing it because they struggle getting guys to come in on an elite baseball program on paper at this point. That is that is true. Um, baseball portal recruiting was awful. And, and so – We'll really know. I mean, we can talk about what we think we know about how much money these these initiatives have. Here's how you know what they what they have and what they offer is when recruiting and transfer portal season begins. That's when you know how much they got. That that's when it gets proven, right? We can talk about how much they have, but but state's going to have to go get a quarterback. They're they're going to have to possibly get you know some help at wide receiver running back I mean a bunch of defensive players I mean it's going to be an expensive roster overhaul if they're going to get guys that they think can come in and win right I mean quarterbacks are expensive defensive linemen are hard to find and the ones you do find are really expensive linebackers are expensive I mean and they're going to have to get some of these guys you know maybe not 40 of them or whatever but they're going to have to the, the new coach is going to have to step in and kind of flip the roster a little bit because it's clear they've missed on a lot of evaluations those are expensive things. And so that's when we will learn that that's when we'll learn about how well funded they actually are. And the same applies to every this applies to the Grove Collective and all of them. We we know how funded they are 
based on how well they recruit. That's the reality of college football today. The more money you got, the better players you get. That's college football. And so we're, we're going to see in this cycle really how much they have, which, you know, we'll see. And that all of the, the hand-wringing about how much money they have will be answered when the portal window opens here soon and on National Signing Day. Th- that's when we'll know. On the pace Ole Miss is winning games, Jackson Dark could go down as one of the winningest quarterbacks in school history. There ain't no doubt about that. I mean, he, he he would leave. He would if he does return. If if Kiffin was in fact telling the truth, which there's no reason to believe he's not. Don't get me wrong. I expect I've always expected him to return, but hearing that makes it obviously a little bit more legitimized. But but he would leave a legend, and he should. Uh, I mean the the way. This is why I don't understand why there's a small or there was there's fewer of them now, but why why there was a small percentage, a tiny percentage of Ole Miss fans that just like couldn't buy into to Jackson Dart. The way that dude plays football is something that a fan should absolutely adore. I, I, I truly, and he seems like a good kid on top of it all. Like doesn't you know doesn't get any trouble, says all the right things. Uh, apparently, the team just absolutely loves him. Um, his path to Ole Miss was, was you know, he kind of dealt with, quote-unquote, dealt with a lot as a college player early in his career. And, I mean, just plays every game like it's his last, man. He's tough as hell and physical. And um, you, you don't get quarterbacks like him very often. And so I never understood why there was uh, – anyway, I, I don't get it. I mean, he's he's clearly very good and he's clearly improving. And, and so what else could you want? From from a quarterback, I, I I didn't understand it. Very small percentage, though. Let's be clear about that. Very small percentage, but still, never understood it. Good for Ole Miss. You'd much rather play Louisiana Monroe having a quick turnaround against State uh, at home on Thanksgiving. Yeah, um, that that arc being in Fayetteville at night versus ULM at home at eleven is a dramatic difference in in the task at hand. I have a somebody asked me on Twitter. Um, I have a feeling that they have spent a lot of time uh, game planning for the Egg Bowl this week because they um, uh, because they can. So, forget what you said on Tuesday about Oregon State beating Washington. Ne- Ole Miss needs uh, Washington to root for Washington, Florida this week. Yes, yes, they do. Give me my preview of Ole Miss versus Iowa Citrus Bowl early line. So they're really good defensively, uh, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, t- I think it would go down exactly like their game with Kentucky last year went. I think that's how it would go. Washington winning or losing is irrelevant at this point. The winner of Washington, Oregon, will be in the playoff, and the loser will be in a New Year's Six bowl. Yes, but Chet, you want. Washington to beat Oregon State to get Oregon State out of it. Not you, Chase. I know you're a state guy, but Ole Miss wants uh, Washington to beat Oregon State to get Oregon State out of there. Will this be James Madison's second straight year without a postseason appearance? Yes. Uh, yes, it will. It's their second year in uh, the FBS, and that is it's a two-year transition period where they're not allowed to participate in the postseason. It's nonsense. Uh, forgive my language, everybody. It's it's just bullshit is uh, is what it is. The NCAA, uh, the committees had a chance to end a arbitrary and rather ridiculous rule, and they chose uh, to hold on 
uh, to something that doesn't make any sense that would be wildly unpopular and uh, uh, good for them because they they suck. Is Duke the Missouri of the ACC? No, Missouri's had, well, I mean, I guess Cutcliffe was good there. and But no, uh, no. I, who would be the Missouri of the ACC? That's a good question. I'll have to ponder that for a while. Feels like Washington can't lose once if the other future conference champions win out. Georgia slash Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, Texas, and undefeated Florida State would all be ahead of them, right? I think so. Does AM and State have coaches in place by the start of the week after Thanksgiving? Important down the stretch in recruiting and closing kids in the port. Yeah, that's a good okay. So you're talking about the week after Thanksgiving. So that Monday. Do they have coaches in place by that Monday? Um yes. Yes, I think uh, no, give give me some wiggle room. By Wednesday. By Wednesday, both schools will have coaches named. By, by the Wednesday after Thanksgiving, so within six days of Thanksgiving, they will have they will both have coaches named. Talking heads don't want the perceived bottom feeders near the top unless it's unless there is a sob story to tell with it. That's unfortunate truth. Yes, yes, it is. Talking about schools keeping coaches. NY6 is top 11 in the college football playoff plus the G5 conference champion. Yes. So they need to be in the top uh, 11. But there's this deal with uh, conference champion. Be in the top 11. Everything else will take care of itself. If Ole Miss beat State 63-7, to would that be pretty impressive? It would. I don't think that that will happen. But, yes, it, it would. And that, that would uh, open the eyes of the committee somewhat for sure. You've been accused of being a pessimist more than once, but you're afraid that state swings and misses on the top of their list. Then they panic pull on a Joe Judge type to try to have for signing day. I hope I hope you're wrong because, my God, that would be awful. Um, I think the floor should be G.J. Kinney. I, I mean, that should be the floor. Um, I just I don't see him turning that job down. You know, he's not like Summerall, where where Summerall's basically guaranteed the Kentucky job when that comes open. And why would the Kentucky job come open? As we talked about before, it's it's a whole butterfly effect, right? Kirk Ferentz retires, they get Mark Stoops to come home to the alma mater, and then Summerall goes uh, there. I I think Kenny should be the uh, absolute floor for that search. If they even consider Joe Judge, then uh, frankly, the program deserves to lose if that's somebody that they actually hire. So, I mean, if if that's a decision you make, you deserve to lose. Yeah, see, that's the, the problem is even if Louisville loses twice before the end of the season, they still take an Orange Bowl bid if Florida State goes undefeated. Yeah, you don't want Florida State to make the... Um, the championship or the playoff. You don't want Florida State to make the playoff. You want that there you want there to be one ACC team in uh, in the in, in the top 12 in the Access Bowls. <laughs> Ole Miss will have the financial resources similar to A&M when you win the multiple when you win multiple mega million lotteries. <laughs> 12-team playoffs couldn't have come at a better time. This would have been the perfect year for it. Mississippi State has the money for a Power 5 higher. State's linebackers will be fine. 
Um, certainly can be with the linebacker front, but uh, it's not necessarily the money. Uh, I mean, because what power five coaches are you talking about? Uh, is it is it climbing? Um, because, I mean, Kansas State is going to pay him more than Mississippi State paid Mike Leach. And that was, you know, five and a half million dollars. It's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad if they don't pull a power five coach. I mean, you know, how many options are there of of realistic candidates? I mean, I've, we talked some on the show today about a guy like Dave Clawson would be very interesting. Uh, I I don't think the fan base would appreciate it the way I would, frankly. Um, If they have the money to to lure away a power five coach, they have to prove it. They haven't proven that yet. I think they do. I mean, I, I agree. I, I think they do. Got to see it, though. Got to see them do it. Because as crazy as it sounds, $5 million a year is not a lot of money anymore in the SEC for a coach. Isn't that nuts? But it's not. Uh, it, it's, it's simply not. Kentucky's paying their guy nine. You, you know, uh, it's Ole Miss is paying their guy nine. Tennessee's paying their guy nine. South Carolina is up over six. I mean, it's it's a different world. You've often wondered when a bored billionaire or the Saudis decided they're ready to buy a college football team. Hey, uh, it's not the Saudis, but Texas A&M has a campus in Qatar. So. How would Dart have been under freeze? Good, not as good as... Uh, he he would be under Kiffin, or is under Kiffin. With Lane Kiffin saying Dart coming back, does that lean to him returning as well? He's I, I as of this moment, as of November sixteenth, twenty twenty three at eight twenty three p.m., would be surprised, truly surprised, if Lane Kiffin is not coaching at Ole Miss next year. Let's see. Okay, so I'm actually going to do this right now. I'm going to pull up the salary database for the 2023 season, college football coaches. Because we have another one. State has plenty of money to hire a Power 5 coach. They were paying Mike Leach $5 million and offered Dan 6 when he left. So let's get to – all right, let's see. I actually – I wish that these were numbered. They are not. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Sorry about this. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. The twenty seventh highest paid head coach in college football is PJ Fleck at six million dollars uh, a year. It's the twenty seventh highest paid head coach. So, if you're looking at candidates like Leipold, he's currently making five point seven at Kansas. They will undoubtedly give him uh, more money than that. Um. Dave Doran at five at NC State, you know, I mean, if it's just a money thing that that 
talked about him some. Kleiman's making 4.7. Uh, I mean, to to lure those guys away, you can't just match their salary, right? It's got to be more. And and obviously, their current school is uh, is going to want to fight against that as well. But you know, if you're going to get to six, that it's got to be more than that. That uh, if they're going to lure away one of these guys from the state of Kansas that they're apparently after, it's got to be more than that. Um, so if they offer that to Dan, will they do it again? I would assume so, but let's uh, let's see. State's whole problem this year was Arnett blowing up the air raid. They probably would have won two more games had it not blown up the air raid. Probably so. I, I have a feeling, see, people are criticizing him for that uh, decision today. And over the last few weeks, and I understand that, but he also did it with the assumption that he was going to have multiple years to blow it up and, and build, and and he didn't because it was such a disaster. But I do agree with you, that's what the team was set up for. State better get a coach ASAP. They don't need to hurry. They, they don't need to, to hurry, like right now, uh, anyway. They, they've got another... 10 days or so before you start wondering, you know, what the hell's taking so long. Looks like Billy Napier is losing all that momentum in the recruiting class, not looking good for him at all. Boston College is in Missouri of the ACC, but Missouri's won the division a couple of times, you know, in this era too, in the playoff era, I should say. How surprised would I be if Kiffin is still at Ole Miss by 2028? That I would be surprised by. Very surprised. But you would love for State to hire Fritz. I think he's got a really high floor, if that makes sense. I don't know what his his ceiling would be, but I do think that he would bring stability. And and, um, stability is very important with, with this hire for Mississippi State. I think he would be a high floor kind of coach. Might take him a year or two because that's what it's been like at other places, but I do think that his floor would be high. He's an experienced guy. His messaging would resonate with fans as well. He would, you know, I've I've seen state fans call him boring. It's like ah, if you think he's boring, you're not you're not paying attention. Um, you know, he's not Kiffin. He's not goofy on Twitter, but he's it's not boring if you listen to him. He's kind of down down to earth. Who's my top candidate for the A&M job right now? Um, I mean, I think it's Elko or Trailer at the moment. I mean, they could pull something crazy like a Dabo, but it sounds like that's where that's headed. But again, I mean, who knows? 100% agree on Kenny, whatever the number he wants, five or six, whatever. That's your floor. He's making 800K. Give him 3.5 and have money to let him go after. To let him go after a home run DC. Yeah. For six million ish, give me Kenny and Dave Aranda at defensive coordinator. I wonder where Aranda's gonna end up. USC's open. Maybe he returns to LSU. You think Florida State is the weakest team out of the top two Pac twelve SEC and Big Ten in Texas? They should be the odd one out, in your opinion. Punt return for a touchdown is the only thing that beat Miami. I mean, they really struggled, especially offensively in that game. 
yes, Mike Leach was a, a Power 5 coach. I'm not saying they can't get a Power 5 coach at all. Uh, not saying that. I, I do think, though, um, the, the candidates at the Kansas schools are better compensated than Mike Leach was at Washington State. And there's a chance that they are in line for bigger opportunities than Mike Leach was at the time. Miami has a billionaire that is like 50% of their NIL. Yeah, but his company uh, is going under, right? Didn't uh, he? I mean, aren't they getting investigated by the feds or something crazy like that? Life wallet? Yeah, I think they're in trouble. I, I, actually, I, I know they're in trouble uh, to some degree. I, I don't remember exactly what the situation was, but yes, they're, they're in trouble to some degree. That's That's going to impact their NIL. It doesn't sound like Dan Mullen's going to happen at all. I mean, he's talked about it, but also it sounds like administratively that's not something that they're going to, that they're not going to, they're not going to do. Yeah, I do think Aranda's going to get fired pretty soon. No matter who state hires, there will be an increased pressure on the coach as long as Kiffin wins at Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like that at a lot of places, right? Ryan Day's under a lot of heat at Ohio State, despite his record, because he's lost to Michigan twice. Uh, so, so that is that, that is absolutely a factor. Um, it, it's not a hundred percent because I've seen people say that you know State fired Arnett because Ole Miss is winning, and I think that is an oversimplification of a complex issue. You know, you, you can't convince me that that's not a factor that they don't look over to Oxford and think that's not good. And we need somebody to win because Ole Miss is better than us at the moment. You know, that's real. But that's not the only reason why they did it. And so I, I think when people say that, that's that's not accurate. I mean, the, the team has been atrocious uh, this season, quite frankly. And that's not old because of Ole Miss. Fans are not going to games anymore, not because of Ole Miss. But I do think that that plays into it some. That's why Ryan Day is people are frustrated with him. Watch what happens to South Carolina fans' opinion of Shane Beamer when he loses to Clemson here in 10 days or whatever it is. So how sick is it to see your buyout check be presented to the athletic department at halftime? Man, I you know, I, I saw somebody describe that as embarrassing for Jimbo. I thought, no, what are you talking about? Like they were taunting him, like flaunting it. It's like, oh no. Oh, I'm so embarrassed that you're going to give me $77 million. Like, no way. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. What a waste of money, but whatever. Has there ever been a rehire of a former coach? Because you see the people talking about Mullen. Uh, yeah, Bill Snyder. And it worked at, uh, at Kansas State. I, I'll give you the years. Um, obviously, he's not coaching there anymore. One of the world-class people in the game, by the way. Um, let's see. So he stopped in 2005 and then came back in 2009 and just kept on winning. He was really good, really, really, really good at Kansas State. I mean, uh, just an absolute legend. So at Kansas State from 1989 with that four-year gap to 2018, he had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Eight, nine double-digit win seasons at Kansas State. I mean, he was he was awesome, world class. 
I have no idea what Orgeron's buyout was at uh, at um, Ole Miss. Shiano was previously at Rutgers. That's working out as uh, as well. The crowds weren't great under Leach either. Feels like there hasn't been as much of a fire in State's fan base since Moore had underachieved in 18. I think they have one sellout like in the last six years, and it was Alabama this year. That's it, I think. So, yeah, uh, fan fan excitement hasn't really been – fan buy-in hasn't been full in some time there. Mac Brown, another one. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, Snyder was awesome and just a world-class guy. I mean, he he all the way up until the end of his career, if um, like he would write handwritten notes to to players from the team that that he just played, like, "Hey, young man, keep at it. I admire your game. You're a great player." Stuff like that. I mean, just world the the stuff that we just don't do anymore. You know, world-class guy. Yeah, you said people forget people were calling for Mike Leach to be fired throughout the last two years before he won at the end. Yeah. And the records looked better than the season actually was. Here's the thing about 8-4, and Chase. Just just generally speaking, 8-4 and in July looks great. Yeah, 8-4. and Won eight games. That's awesome. But four of those games are essentially gimmies. Now, you, you have the Power 5 requirement, but still. So there's at least three three of those eight games that you don't care about that are just, ah, whatever, supposed to win. So take those away, and you're five and four in the games that you're locked in on that you care about. It, it, it feels different in action than it does on paper in in reality, I mean, losing four games in three months is, it feels different than it looks. People forgot all about us talking about a 33-67 for 264 yards because they'd win. Yeah. Yep. Uh, sounds like he's going to play, by the way, on uh, on Saturday. Will Rogers possibly going to play? We'll see. Um, we will see how good he looks and if um, if that makes a difference. So, anyway. I got to run, guys. I went long tonight, but uh, this was fun. This was fun. I appreciate you. We'll be back on Sunday, possibly talk about the games that happened <laughs> or maybe coaching search stuff. I don't know. But uh, Sunday at 7.45. Oh, oh, wait. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. No, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock Sunday. 8 o'clock sharp on Sunday. I will see you guys then. You have a great weekend. Enjoy your football. I'll see you soon. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.